for tuning in to the 362nd episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, I want to thank you all for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iRadio, SoundCloud, or whichever podcasting app or platform you may be listening to me via. I want to apologize for not having out any pods for last week. Had a bunch of unfortunate circumstances. My guy, Kenny Sem, scouting expert for 247 Sports, came down with COVID. So that kind of affected the schedule. Also, uh, I lost, uh, my laptop was broken. So I really didn't have any recording uh, materials. So I decided, you know what, scrap it. Uh, And I pride myself on the consistency, right? We have recaps with Kenny, previews with Ben, so all that didn't get to work out, but we're going to start getting back on the schedule for this spot, actually. Uh, I just let Kenny have the day off. Uh, he's still pretty sick, so I'm ready to keep Kenny in your prayers and thoughts uh, as he battles COVID-19. Now, I'm going to have Ben Karen on, uh, and we're not going to talk NFL. We're going to talk about college football. It was championship weekend. We know the final four. We're going to talk about some coaching stuff. Uh, So it's going to be a college football-heavy podcast, just so all of you guys are aware. Next week, we'll be getting back to the regular schedule of the show. Now, before we get to Ben, time for my shameless plug. As always, first-time listener, thank you. But subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Check on the descriptions below. Check on the timestamps. Right? Check on the timestamps. Uh, Click on it specifically on Spotify, and it will go to the part of the podcast that you have clicked on. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel, Daryl Lane. Just uh, type in that, and you will find it. Uh, Post my syndicate show outside the shop, as well as two to five, three, four-minute clips of this podcast right here. Follow me on Twitter at night, at nighttrain underscore lane. And lastly, if you have Apple or if you have iTunes, then give me five stars and a great review. And for some odd reason, right, if you don't like the podcast, then... Don't say anything. Because you know what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And cut up next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have Ben Karen on, host of the Sports Father Podcast. Cut up next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have Ben Karen with us, host of the Sports Squabbler podcast. This isn't Kenny, but Ben, you will do. I'm going to have to. It's good to, good to be on the podcast tonight, Daryl. Looking forward to talking some college ball with you, some NFL. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. So I want to get into college. So we had a great weekend of college football championship uh, weekend. 
Alabama, Georgia, and you were really on this bit, and I will give you credit for this. I thought Georgia was going to win and oust Alabama for this whole playoff conversation, but Bama just wouldn't be denied. And we saw an historic Georgia defense, which had only given up 17 points. The most points they've given up all year was 17 points to Tennessee. And we saw Alabama put up, what, 40 on them and just kind of dominate them and pull away in the second half. How shocked were you to see that? Particularly the Georgia defense fold like how they did. I think that was the biggest surprise for me of the game. Um, you know, we, we do think about this Georgia defense um, being in the upper echelons of defenses. I know for me, you know, probably one of the best defenses I've seen in the last decade or so of watching college football. Uh, so to see them uh, go out and forfeit 41 points yesterday was pretty surprising. Uh, as far as Alabama coming through with a win, uh, I did call that. I I just felt like Nick Saban would have the game plan ready to go. And also, you know, kind of felt Alabama and Darrell is a very proud program. I, I do not think they took kindly to being underdogs in this game. And I was not overly surprised that they found a way to win. Were you shocked by how much they won by? Were you shocked by the no, march? I, I don't think so. I think it was probably, you know, I, I would have picked them, I would say, by by probably about 10. So it was, you know, a little bit more. Um, but I wasn't overly surprised. Did it's what I've seen Alabama do to a lot of SEC teams over the years. How much of this do you think is Georgia, maybe not, right, Alabama obviously has the motivation of being doubted, right, but Georgia, like, right, like, for example, Alabama knows that they need to win this to get a a chance at the dance, to get a chance at a championship. This is a win-or-go-home game, but this is a playoff-type game for Alabama. For Georgia, they know they can lose this game, and they're in no matter what. How much do you think that played a role in maybe Georgia's psyche not being completely ready enough for this game? Because they kind of have, you know, the cushion of knowing, hey, if we lose, it's not over. Yeah, I think that's definitely a factor for the for the Bulldogs. I think another factor is it's been a really long time, Daryl, since Georgia's competed, you know, um, well, won a championship. I guess they competed a few years back, but... Um, they haven't really been able to to execute and get it done on the biggest stages in college football yet. Um, and, and I think that it's something that they're going to have to go through as a team and, and, and grow from if they're going to move forward. In terms of Georgia and this defense, if they play Alabama again, I think you, uh, you're you of the mindset that they are going to see each other again. Do you think we're going to see a better showing? 100%. I think if they play again, and, and I'm going to go on a limb right now and predict that we are going to see this rematch uh, in the championship game, I, I think it's going to be a 10-point game. Is I it would pr- probably still favor Alabama, but I, I think there's no way that Georgia's going to let them get 41 points again. So do you think we've overrated Georgia's defense at all in terms of how good and historic they really were? I think we have to some degree, Daryl. When we look at who the Bulldogs played this season, there were a lot of these games where a lot of the teams that they were playing really weren't that good. 
when it all shook out. The win against Florida, you know, we, we know the Gators had a down year this year. Mizzou, down year. South Carolina, who we were just talking about off the air, had a down year. Clemson had a down year. Auburn. Um, you know, Arkansas did have a good year, though, and then they beat Arkansas 37-0, to and they helped Clemson to three points, which even in a down year would be pretty impressive. Um but I guess for me, when I look at it, um, I'd be a little bit more impressed if, if they had played more teams um, with winning records this year. Yeah, and I will say the one thing, the one chink I saw in the Georgia defense's armor was that game against Tennessee, which is ironically the only game, the highest scoring, the highest game, uh, the most points the team scored on them this regular season besides Alabama, which was 17. They struggled with tempo, uh, with the Josh Heupel offense. It really kind of got under Georgia's skin. I think it's because they have these big defensive linemen. I think these guys are getting tired, and they can't really affect the game in the pass rush a lot. I think that was probably it a little bit. And then, obviously, you have Alabama, and it's like Tennessee souped up on steroids because then it's like, okay, we have a more athletic quarterback better offensive line, we have this Jameson Williams guy, we have Michi, we have all these other guys that can we can spread it out with, and it just extends the defense so much more. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't think Georgia's, <laughs> Georgia's defense is meant to play the game that way. Yeah, but I, I will say this. I, I think the true test, though, I really do believe the true test of how good they are is how, how they're going to adjust if they play Alabama again. I agree. That that's gonna... I think it's going to be a true test of how good Kirby Smart is as a head coach, too. I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of media talk about this. I think there's going to be a big game for Kirby if they play again. Then there's, you think there are concerns about Kirby Smart if he's a big game coach or not? I think some of those concerns are starting to creep in. Kirby's been in the SEC for a while now. Uh, and he hasn't been able to get by Nick Saban in the Crimson Tide. I don't think that's going to continue to be acceptable long-term for the Bulldogs. So I want to go to the other big championship game, Michigan versus Iowa. Dominant win by the Michigan Wolverines, capping off a very historic season, which... They're the only team in college football playoff history that was ever unranked and ended up making it into the playoffs. So congrats to the Wolverines. How shocked are you how they just thrashed Iowa? An Iowa team that I would say it's not just very easy to casually thrash them like that. Yeah, I, I was very shocked by this. Um, they really, really did number on, on the poor Hawkeyes this weekend. Um it, I was expecting Daryl is going to be a, kind of a tight game and that Michigan would find a way to pull ahead. Uh, but Michigan absolutely dominated them in every phase of this game from start to finish. Uh, like I said, not even not even close. And, and also shocking, Daryl, their quarterback, I didn't think uh, McNamara, I, he didn't even play that well and they still did this die of the guy threw for under 200 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Just happens when you're the better team. 
I, I think, how, how dangerous do you think Michigan is? How much of a threat do you think they are to Alabama and Georgia? I think they're going to show up and they're going to compete with Georgia. Um, I give Georgia the edge here just because I, I, I do believe the defense is so good, and I think Michigan's quarterback is not that great. Um, and we know that it's going to be very hard for Michigan to run the ball on Georgia. Um, but I, I give I give Michigan a puncher's chance at this point in time of making the um, the championship game to play Alabama. Yeah, I think the style fits. This is going to be a very interesting style because obviously Michigan wants to kind of slow it down. They want to run the ball. They want to play physical. I think that theoretically should make it easier for that Georgia defense because they're not going to have to worry about Michigan spreading it out and tempo and all that. Where I they think it's going to be a terrible, uh, terrible matchup for the Wolverines. But the issue too now is uh, Georgia's – that Michigan defense is very good with Hutchinson and uh, Abagwa or – uh, th- th- that Michigan pass rush is very good. So I-, I think that's also the issue. Georgia's offense, I think we've seen. Stetson Bennett, Ben, like, he's not the answer. No. And, and I think that's also the issue. And-, and this is also the concern when I told you, for example, if Georgia ever played Cincinnati, and I told you about this, I don't think their offense can separate from teams. I think the defense... I think Georgia's can can win a lot of 10-0 games. I just don't think their offense can separate. And when you're up against a, the Michigan defense, they're going to see. I don't see Georgia scoring more than 20 points. Well, we kind of saw that in the SEC championship game. They just couldn't couldn't go blow for blow against Alabama in the second half. The very true. So, Big 12. I want to go to the Big 12 game now. Uh, so Baylor versus Oklahoma State. Baylor wins the Big Twelve, and they are not in the top six. The playoff uh, committee rankings. How shocked were you that the Big Twelve champion did not finish top six in the country? Um, I wasn't shocked by it. We know Baylor's taken a couple losses this year. Um, I, I do think, as much as it's going to pain me to say it, I think Cincinnati at this point was more deserving, having gone all season undefeated. And I've, I've railed on him, Daryl, for playing a lot of teams that really, in my estimation, aren't that good. Um, but they did go to South Bend. They beat Notre Dame. Uh, they beat Houston this weekend. They took care of their business. So, to me, an undefeated Cincinnati team versus a two-loss Big 12 champion team I would probably put Cincinnati in over them, too. Now, you you know, gave me this concern. You don't think Mike Gundy's a big game coach? It doesn't seem. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I mean, and I, I've seen Mike um, struggle um, in, in a lot of these situations now for a long time. You know, even, even going, I would say, as far back to, like, 2011 when Oklahoma State... Gundy was still there at that time, Daryl, uh, had kind of, in my opinion, a pretty clear path to, to make the BCS championship. And then they lose, you know, a close night game at Iowa State. Iowa State, I think, at the time was unranked. You know, that wasn't even considered to be a thing, and Gundy tripped up. And, and you know, we, we see him routinely struggle against uh, Oklahoma in the Bedlam game. I know they, they beat Oklahoma this year. Um, but... Really looking at this, I mean, 
I think Oklahoma State has enough talent where they should have uh, had this opportunity locked up. I, I think they, you know, they they had everything right in front of them here, Daryl, um, and and they kind of blew it on Saturday. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. So Baylor, you're you're starting to become a fan of their head coach, Ben, right? I am. I, I like what I'm seeing from Dave Arandanda. Is he? Um, yes. Is he one of your guys now, Ben? I think he is one of my guys. I mean, you know, I, I just I love his style of play. I love how his teams come prepared. They play hard. Um, I think when when that rule left for the NFL, we thought we thought, hey, you know, uh, this Baylor Bears program, they're they're going to go kind of back into this pit of obscurity. Last year was kind of a rough year, but he's turned things around in one year, Daryl. And they're already, you know, back, and then they're Big 12 champions. And I think he had a lot to do with that. Do you think he will stay at Baylor? I would say yes for now, because I don't see a place where he's going to be able to go that's better. I'm not sure about five years from now. I think eventually he'll probably jump ship. Um, and, and, and try to get on to a bigger opportunity. But I think for now he stays. So let's go to the Pac-12. Mario Cristobal in Oregon. Now, Ben, you told me this. You were so excited for Mario. And then you know what Utah did? They just said, Mario, go back inside and play with Luigi. That's what they did, Ben. <laughs> That's what they did. How shocked were you that Utah... In about a month span, blew out the Oregon Ducks twice in big time games. It was pretty shocking to me, Daryl. You know, I and, and I think the key word here is twice, right? We saw them kind of get caught off guard a few weeks ago. They went they went up to Utah. Utah ended up kind of jumping on them early and, and running up the score. Uh, and, 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 and that game kind of got a little bit little bit out of hand for him. Um, now, with, with that with that being said, um, I never expected that I would see just a repeat of that. You know, I mean, and and, and really beating up on the Ducks in, 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 in the same exact way twice. It was almost like Mario Cristobal didn't. Um, didn't make any kind of adjustments or anything. So, yeah, I was very shocked by that, you know, and here they are. They still had an opportunity in front of them heading into Friday night's game, and and, and just like Oklahoma State, they blew it. Now, I think for for Mario, you know, there's time to get better, but to me, I mean, it's a red flag for sure that you get blown out twice in the season by the same team. I'm not sure Mario Cristobal is going to be in Oregon long-term, Daryl. Yeah, I think uh, I think his officials, his people are talking to Miami as we're recording this right now, so it's not even necessarily certain he's going to be back at Oregon. Yeah, I, I uh, felt bad for the Ducks, man. I, they're like getting humiliated. Yeah, you know, after they, they had such a high after going to the shoe and beating Ohio State, then you have the bad Stanford loss. And then he just, they just got blown out twice. And it shouldn't happen. Like, 
You can't have that happen, man. And they lost the very weak Pac-12. The Pac-12 was not very good. It's a conference that Oregon should win. Particularly with USC being down. Yeah, I mean, it's just, look, man, it's always going to get tougher for Mario Cristobal here. you got Lincoln Riley coming in. I still I still think the tide is rising rising at UCLA right now with Chip Kelly. We know Kyle Whittingham is, is a good coach. He's basically out-coached Cristobal now a couple times in a row here. So um, I, think, I think the landscape is just getting harder off the Pac-12. And, and I do believe he's on his way to Miami. So their top uh, player this year, Kevon uh, Thibodeau, defensive end, number five, he's talking about he's not going to play in the bowl game. Do you like, love, or hate that? Projected well, number one pick, point, by the way. At this point in time, you know, I always like to see the players play in the bowl games. Um, but, you know... They're not in the Rose Bowl. They're not in the Big Time Bowl. I think he should do it probably for his school. But, you know, at this, like I understand. Uh, he, he doesn't want to risk getting hurt. He's got a lot of money at stake. Um, so I'm going to give him a pass on it because it's not a Big Time game. So next I want to get to this, the ACC. Ben, if I told you that in the beginning of the year, the ACC championship would have Wake Forest and Pitt, and Pitt would win. What would you have told me? I would have laughed because I, I, I didn't see this coming for either of these teams. I thought we'd be looking, you know, at, at, at some ACC game that would be irrelevant because Clemson would dominate. But, you know, that that's the joy of college football is sometimes things happen and you know, um, such is the case here that we just never saw coming. I and mean, Wake Forest has had a tremendous season. Pittsburgh's had a tremendous season. And I, I was a little surprised, too, at how Pitt just kind of pulled away from Wake Forest. Because as you know, Darrell, I picked Wake Forest to win the game, so I was clearly wrong about that. How much trouble is Clemson in? Um, I don't think they're in a lot of trouble here. I think they're going to be back on top next year. Okay, how about this? Do you think we've overrated Dabo at all? Because for a while, people put Dabo in the urban Nick Saban tier. And I just do want to say this in terms of consistency of their program. Could you ever see a year where Nick Saban's team is unranked? That happened this year with Clemson. Could you ever see that happening? Ben. I don't think I could see that. I don't. I don't think Dabo is in Nick Saban's tier. But I'm just saying, people were saying that for a while. Do you acknowledge that, though? People were saying that. People were saying that, and and look, what I what I'm trying to say is, I'm not. It's not a knock on Dabo Sweeney. I think he's a very good football coach. I I think he's not overrated. You know, at least not in my eyes. I just didn't have him in that tier to begin with. I think he's worn a tier with. With some other guys, probably guys like Jimbo Fisher, for instance, um, be probably more more along the lines of where I would put him. Because even if you compare him to Urban, when Urban was at Ohio State, they were going undefeated almost every regular season. Like they were dominant. 
They ran the Big Ten. The second toughest conference in college football. Like, Dabo couldn't win a bad ACC. Like, this isn't the SEC, Ben. This isn't the Big Ten. This isn't even in the Big 12. This is the ACC. The ACC sucks, Ben. I think well, that's I think the craziest thing about all this. I think he whiffed on a quarterback. Um, and I think they need to figure that situation out. I think that's the, that's the biggest thing that they're facing. Yeah, because the yeah the offensive regression uh, was yeah. painful to really watch. So now I want to get to this. So selection Sunday was today at about twelve p.m. Ben, I think you thought it was later at night, but no, it was in the afternoon. So number one, Alabama. Number two, Michigan. Number three, Georgia. Number four, Cincinnati. I'm happy for the Bearcats. Number five was Notre Dame, and number six was the Ohio State. How do you feel about that top six? I think they got it right. I don't think this was a year where it was very hard. I think it was pretty clear. Um, I posted my ratings um, last night, you know, and, and I think I was pretty much in lockstep with them. Do you... How do you feel about when people say that you need to separate Georgia and Alabama? Would you have had an issue if, for example, let's say they moved Georgia to the four and they had a Georgia-Alabama rematch? Or let's say they had Michigan at one and they had a Georgia-Alabama 2-3? Yeah, I think that they did not want to have an Alabama-Georgia rematch unless it occurred in the championship. I'm of the opinion that I don't think people really want to see the rematch at all. And, and I'm not talking about SEC people like me. Guys like me want to see a rematch because we, we just want to see the two best teams in the nation play, whoever they are. Um, but I think to most people, you know, um, they definitely didn't want to see it in the semifinals because that would mean it was for sure happening. And I think they're kind of hoping, hey, maybe Michigan can beat Georgia or something like that. And, you know, then we can, we can have a an Alabama-Michigan final. Um, so I, I think that uh, they did the right thing, though, by not pairing them together for the opening round. I love how you just push Cincinnati out of that and just like Alabama's going to the final. Well, yeah, I mean, look, I owe it to the listeners um, to, to be honest with them. But can you apologize to all the Cincinnati Bearcats fans for all the hate? Can you apologize to them, Ben? Ben, you said they would never make it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess. I mean, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm clearly wrong about that because here we are and, and, and they're in. Uh, but I do think they're only in because we had, you know, a Pac-12 champion with three losses that won the, won the championship and a Big 12 champion and an ACC champion with two losses each. I would agree. Well, I've, I've been telling you, Ben, the Pac-12 is, you know, right, the Pac-12 is suspect. For Michigan, do you think Michigan had a case to be number one after what they did to Iowa? I don't think so. I mean, Iowa's a good team, but they're not as good of a team as Georgia. And Alabama also separated themselves from, from Georgia. It wasn't quite to the level that Michigan separated from Iowa, but it was it was pretty impressive. It wasn't like Alabama won by a field goal. 
if Alabama only won by a field goal, would you think Michigan should be the one? I think you at least have a case then. Here, here would be my, and I agree with you at the end of the day, but here would be my case for Michigan. Let me just lay this out for you, Ben, right? I think we do have to acknowledge it is very impressive what they did to Iowa. Like, Iowa was ranked number two in the country at one point this year. Blowing out Iowa like that, I think we can all agree, is extremely impressive. Uh, their only loss was to a Michigan State team in which they really dominated that game, and Michigan kind of just came back. Like, they dominated that game. While, Al- while Alabama lost to more of a, an A&M team that I don't think we can say they dominated, A&M kind of just beat them straight up. It was... On the road, at College Station, we know what type of environment, and you've talked about that. But still, I would say Michigan's, the loss to Michigan State, I think, is a little bit better uh, than that A&M loss. The win, obviously, Georgia is a better win. But also, let's put this out there. They, they did destroy Ohio State. I think that does have to count for something. They beat up on Ohio State, Ben. They did, yeah. I mean, they... So I think that is, and here's the whole thing about Bama. Bama's been playing it close to the vest, close with LSU, close with Tennessee for a bit. So Alabama has been playing it close with Auburn, needing a miracle to beat a an Auburn team without Bo Nix. So I, I just do want to say that, and I do think we should take into account again, back-to-back, blowing out Ohio State and Iowa. That isn't as impressive as a back-to-back as you will find this college football season, Ben. It is very impressive, you know, and I, I give Michigan the respect. You know, no one expected them to be here, and here they are. And, and kudos to Jim Harbaugh, man, because I, I know a lot of people have been calling for his job for a long time. Yeah, props for Jim. Uh, you know, I don't think people wanted to head to Michigan. He, he finally got the job done. So, Cincinnati, obviously... You, you think Cincinnati is going to be a, sh- a sacrificial lamb. Can you just give us a quick prediction? Uh, how ugly is it going to get with Cincinnati and Alabama? I think, I think we're going to look at uh, Alabama 37, Cincinnati 10. So I think, I think Alabama's going to win by 27. So you don't think it's going to be quite as bad as the LSU-Oklahoma bloodbath? Probably not because I just don't think Alabama can put up as many points. You know, that their offense this year is just not as potent uh, as that LSU offense. But, you know, I, I think Alabama is – I also think Alabama is just going to get a lead and then they're just going to run the ball. Um, I think they're going to be way more physical than Cincinnati and they'll control lines. The one thing I will say about this game is uh, Cincinnati will not have seen anything like Alabama this year. Uh they're up against... It's a different type of caliber. They're now moving up weight classes. So I think that's going to be the interesting part to see. And I think sometimes it's just a matter of just surviving the first quarter uh, with a game like this because that's the dangerous part of this game because there is no way you can replicate or simulate what they are going to see when they face Alabama in that semifinal. Different level of speed, power, right? Like they're, it's just different. Notre Dame doesn't have that. Notre Dame doesn't have the athletes that Alabama has. So they're going to face a different level of game speed than they've seen. Well, they're going to be at a coaching disadvantage, too. And, and 
we can all agree Luke Fickle's a, a, a great co- coach, uh, but he's going up against the best. Maybe the best ever. And I think something else that's interesting about this is I was watching the selection show on ESPN, and uh, you know what's interesting about Alabama, Ben? They don't have all these teams have watch parties, right, Ben? Alabama doesn't have a watch party. You want to know why they don't have a watch party? Why? They don't do that around there. They're focused on championships. Why do we need to celebrate because we got in? In Cincinnati. They stormed the field. They had a huge watch party. I think the issue is Cincinnati is happy just to be here. Alabama's here for something different. I think that is a mindset that I think could be very dangerous and could lead to a blowout. You don't want to just be happy to be there because you can be very happy to be there and then you can get smacked around and be like, oh, well, the goal was just to make it. The goal was never to win. Yeah. Alabama's here to win it. They're not like, oh, we made it to the playoffs. We're the one seed. It's like, no, 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 no. This is just another step on our journey to repeat. Traditionally, over the course of time, we've seen Alabama embarrass other number four seeds. You know, we've seen we've seen them blow Michigan State out. We've seen them blow Washington out. You know, then there's the one there. There was that LSU Oklahoma game that you referenced. So, you know, we've seen some bloodbaths, and I think, you know, Cincinnati is not even at the level of some of those other teams that have been blown out. So um, I, I definitely think their, their world is about to get rocked. I don't think the game is probably worth watching, um, but I'm sure the Cincinnati faithful will be watching it, um, as will the Alabama fans. Is there a chance, Ben, we can get you a Bearcat jersey for the game? Well, I mean, it's a free country. You can give me whatever you want. I'm not going to be paying for it. Okay, will you wear it, though? <laughs> no. <laughs> not going to be seen walking around out here in a Cincinnati Bearcat jersey. Can we get Granger in one at least? Oh, there's no way, man. I'm sorry. Okay, we'll see if we can work work on that with Ben. So, cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to get into some of this. Head coaching talk, Lincoln Riley, the USC, Brian Kelly, the LSU. And we're going to talk about all that kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, we still have Ben Karen with us. So, Ben, I'm going to give you this. Lincoln Riley to USC. He said in a press conference, I will not be the LSU football coach. He was right, Ben. He didn't lie. He was going to go to USC. How big is this for the USC program? Is USC back? Are we going back to the Pete Carroll days with Snoop Dogg on the sidelines, Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart, Texas, USC, that crazy BCS National Championship game? Are we are we going to see all that again? Is it back? Is SC back then? I I think USC is back, Daryl. I think the sun has started to rise. 
out west again for USC to be the number one premier program. I don't think it happens in one year, but I think it's going to happen quicker than people think. I completely agree with you. Lincoln Riley's a very good recruiter. He's going to be able to recruit at a higher level at USC. The NIL, and I keep talking about this all the time, the NIL with the marketing, they're out in L.A., you're out in Los Angeles. Like you have, the, you have the ability with the program that USC is to have stars like, let's say, a LeBron James at a game, which I think is a big deal. I think stuff like that does matter in terms of recruiting too. Like There's just so much that's at your disposal. Like, we've already seen some of the top recruits that Oklahoma had. They've already transferred Lincoln Riley. He's an amazing offensive mind. I think USC should be in a, USC should be in a playoff in the next three years. Am I crazy in saying that? I think so. Yeah, I think that's a little too far. I mean, the Pac-12 as a whole, Daryl, needs to be relevant. And I think, you know, the... the um, the pressure on of, of that is not just going to fall on Lincoln Riley's shoulders. Some of these other Pac-12 teams are going to have to be more consistent, too. Um, but I think having him out there is going to help because I think, like you said, he's going to be able to recruit a lot of talent. And with the way he runs things on offense, there's going to be a lot of players uh, offensively that are going to be interested in playing for him. We know that he's already coached in his short head coaching career two Heisman Trophy winners. So um, guys are looking at him as definitely a guy they want to work with if they're trying to make it to the NFL and get paid. And I also do want to mention Jalen Hurts, the forgotten guy, finished second in the Heisman voting that year. So you have two first-place Heismans. You have one second-place Heisman. And... By the way, Spencer Rattler was a preseason Heisman favorite before this year. So that just lets you know the lineage Lincoln Riley has when it comes to quarterbacks and their success. How shocked were you, though, that he left Oklahoma? I was fairly surprised. I would say on a scale of 1 to 10, I was probably an 8. Did he disrespect Oklahoma? Because also, Bob Stoops got him that job. Bob Stoops got him that job, vouched for him. That was Bob Stoops' guy. Similarly to how Ryan Day had the blessing of Urban Meyer, Lincoln Riley had the blessing of Bob Stoops. You think it was disrespectful how he left them? I don't think it was disrespectful because I think in college football, these coaches are are put in a really awkward situation as well as the teams. Um, you know, you have the early recruiting window, makes it really challenging. Um, you know, these coaches are trying to, you know, look at other job opportunities while the season is going on. So I, I think it's, I think it makes it really hard. Uh, I will say this, you know, in Oklahoma's case, I think it's a really bad look when you go out and you lose the Bedlam game, Daryl, the big in-state rivalry game to Oklahoma State. And then the next day, you're you're taking some job somewhere else. That's not that really is not a good look. Um, but I get it. Sometimes you just want to move on to a different job. You want to experience something new. Um, and I do think for Lincoln, one of the one of the factors may have been he was just the next man up at Oklahoma. Bob Stoops had already built the culture. I think Lincoln he wants to build his own thing. 
And he's going to have that opportunity out at USC, Daryl. So let's go to Brian. And also, by the way, I do want to say before we get to Brian Kelly, I think this also does say kind of what I said one time on Outside the Shop about some of these SEC jobs. I think a lot of it is what we end up seeing is how these coaches value each program. Obviously, Lincoln Riley, I think he believes that there's a higher threshold than USC than Oklahoma, which is crazy when you're talking about blue blood to blue blood. He's kind of showing that there are levels to this. He thinks well, there's think, a... You know, he might just want to live in Los Angeles. I'm sure Los Angeles is um, a much more fun place to live than Norman, Oklahoma. That's true. But I also thought that it wouldn't matter. He seemed like a Texas, Oklahoma guy through and through, like that region of the country. He did not seem like a coastal guy. I think sometimes when you grow up small town, you get tired of it eventually. You move to a bigger city. Um, I know I've done that a couple times in my life, Daryl, so I, I can kind of sympathize with a guy. I know he's a small time town guy, too. You know, I don't know. I think maybe he just wanted wanted to experience something different. So let's go to Brian Kelly. How shocked were you Brian Kelly left Notre Dame? Yeah, this was really shocking to me. <laughs> Dad, uh, this was, this was full-blown 10. <laughs> well, what was your... Then I, I told you, didn't I not break the news to you, Ben? Yeah, you did break the news to me. I thought you were, like, messing around with me. <laughs> you did. So why was it at a 10 for you? talking about with Lincoln and your opinion about him moving to a coastal city I, I just I've always thought that Brian Kelly is like a perfect fit at Notre Dame now, Irish Catholic guy from Boston uh, you know Notre Dame Daryl pretty pretty good fit for a guy like that LSU not so much I don't think I mean I think it's gonna gonna be a really uh, big adjustment for him Did you hear the video of him trying to fake a Louisiana accent? I haven't heard that. I'm going to have to check that out after I get off the podcast with you. <laughs> Did you hear about it at least? I didn't hear about it. Oh. <laughs> so basically, during his speech, he tried to uh, he, he tried to have a Louisiana accent, basically. He was talking like he was from the South. And it was poorly done. Like it was embarrassing, Ben. I don't even think I would have gone there if I was him. Not the, not the initial. <laughs> he's not. He's not. He's not at Orgeron. He doesn't have that personality. No, definitely not. Like Ed sounds like he's from the South. He sounds like he's from Louisiana. Uh, Brian Kelly. Not so much. How do you think this Brian Kelly move is going to work out, though, for LSU? Can he win a national championship? That's been the standard of the last three coaches at LSU, Ed Orgeron, Les Miles, and Nick Saban. Well, I think, um, I think he can win a, win a championship. I don't think he is going to, but I think there's the possibility exists, obviously. We know LSU, uh, they can recruit a lot of talent. Uh, they're, they're certainly a top-tier program. Uh, and, and we know Brian Kelly can coach football, Daryl. I mean, that you know, that's that's not even up for debate. Um, I just don't think he's going to win a national championship there. 
And the reason is the SEC is just really tough. Nick Saban is not showing any signs of slowing down, even though he's almost 70 years old. You got Kirby Smart out there. Kirby Smart's a good coach. Jimbo Fisher has already won a national championship before. I think he's building for the future of Texas A&M. I think that program's going to be able to give LSU some problems. Um, I think Sam Pittman and what he's doing at Arkansas is pretty impressive. Uh, if Lane Kiffin stays at Old Miss, that's a problem. So there's a lot of coaches out there right now. Um, and, and I'm just not sure that, um, that Brian Kelly is going to be able to put together one season that's magical enough to overcome all of those uh, games. Because when you're at Notre Dame, Daryl, you may, you know, like Notre Dame this season, for instance, I don't even think they beat a ranked opponent all year. They beat Purdue. Did Purdue finish ranked? I don't know if they were or not at the time they played them. Maybe they were. Oh, I don't know if they were. I think they ended up being I mean, Purdue was a very good team, though. That that I will say. But, yes. But I I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, Notre Dame, these last few years, it's like, okay, you know, we got to get up for a big game every every month, maybe. But in the SEC, he's going to have that every week. And that's fair. And I mentioned this to you because uh, we, we talked this morning. Uh, there's other advantages like the recruiting, like the academic standards aren't as high, so we can get more of these better football players into LSU. Obviously, better recruiting base for football down south in Louisiana than <laughs> in Indiana. Uh, so he's going to get more talented guys. Do you think, well, what do you think? Obviously, you think his ceiling is a championship coach. You wouldn't be shocked if it happened, but you wouldn't predict it. But let me pose the question to you this way, Ben. In the SEC, particularly the SEC West, right? Alabama's the number one program. They're the creme de la creme. They're number one. They're top dog. After that, Lane Kevin at Ole Miss. Lane Kevin at Ole Miss, right? Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. And then let's put uh, Brian Kelly in LSU. Who's vying for that second spot? Can Brian Kelly be a consistent 10-win team in the West where he's second? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think he can consistently be, be a number two team. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this, Daryl, and I don't believe Lane is going to stay at Old Miss long term. He may stay. Uh, there's already been talk about him maybe moving to another job. Um, uh, this season, I, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um, but I just don't think he's staying at Old Miss for the long haul. And I think if he goes, then then that kind of um, takes that program down a little bit. I do not believe Jimbo Fisher is going anywhere, and I'm not just saying that because I'm an Aggie. I just don't think he's leaving, um, at least not until his contract expires, which is another like five or six years. Um, A&M has wonderful resources. They just had a really nice recruiting uh, class. Um, So they're going to be a problem, and and I think they're going to be somebody he's going to have to compete with, you know, long-term for second place in the SEC West. I think Auburn, if they can get a better coach, might end up in that conversation. Um, You know, and, and... 
I would also say, like like I was saying earlier, like Sam Pittman and Arkansas are on the rise, Daryl. I completely agree with you there. It'll be interesting to see how Brian Kelly works out at LSU. Do you think, when we look at how these coaches leave, Brian Kelly, the way he did it, in my opinion, Ben, it was kind of disgraceful. He left his team hanging. They had a chance to be in the college football playoffs. If Cincinnati loses, let's say Cincinnati loses to Houston. Let's say also, heck, let's say Michigan loses to Iowa. Let's say Georgia beat Alabama. All these variables could have happened. Notre Dame could have easily found themselves in there. To me, it's disgraceful to turn your back on your team like that. And here's the biggest issue with me, Ben. If a player said, hey, I'm looking out for my best interest for the draft. I'm not going to play in regular season games, in a championship game, because I'm looking out for my best interest, what I have coming up next. We would kill that player. But Brian Kelly just did that. He just did that. He just left the team that could have been in the playoffs. If a player did that, we'd lose our minds. And that that is fair. What you're saying is absolutely fair. It's absolutely something that could happen. As far as it goes, I mean, I think it just tells you straight up how Brian Kelly felt about Notre Dame's chances. I think he knew in his heart of heart, hey, we're not we're not national championship material this year. I think he knew we're not going to be able to beat Georgia or Alabama um, or maybe even Michigan, you know. So, um, And obviously they're probably not going to be able to even beat Cincinnati because we already saw that play out. So I think he kind of knew – he wasn't leaving a national championship on the table. Uh, now, with that being said, yeah, I mean, the this the system that a lot of these guys are in and they're working in uh, leads to us having these situations come up where these coaches are, like, put in awkward situations where they have to bail on the team before the end of the season. I would like to see... You know, some uh, some kind of um, adjustments made with the rules uh, so that that doesn't keep happening because I think that's just terrible for the game. And, and Ben, and also, the adults have to be the responsible ones. Could you imagine if Bryce Young just said, you know what, I'm not playing in the SC Championship game. I'm looking out for my NFL career. Could you imagine if he said that? He's like, I don't think we can win. Or, or somebody said that. If that was a player's legit explanation, I don't think we can win. I'm just going to go to L.A. and train. People would lose their minds, Ben. They would. They would absolutely lose their minds. And and, and that's a fair assessment. I think what you're really going to have to do, you know, if we're being solution-oriented here, is you're probably going to have to get rid of the early early signing period. Um, And and I think you're going to have to mandate it so that, you know, these teams cannot hire new coaches, you know, like, in, until after, you know, the last bowl game has been played. Yeah, I, I completely... After a given date, you know? I mean, I think that, I think that that's what needs to happen in order, in order for this to stop. I think they need an NFL model. You don't see NFL coaches switching teams in the middle of the season. I, I don't think that should be going on in college football. Uh, right. They make professional money, so they need to act like professionals. I... I, I completely agree with you. To me, it's just disgraceful Brian Kelly could turn his back on his team like that. Like, you should well, stay... Yeah, 
Oh no, yeah, Lincoln too. Lincoln too. And, and Lincoln's just as bad because Lincoln's from Oklahoma. He came up in the program and, and then he turned his back on them too. No, stay your butt there till that last bowl game is played. You owe it to those guys. You sat in their living room to their mom, dad, grandma, and grandpa and said, This is the place for me. How are you going to do that with this? Like, that bothers me, Ben. That bothers me. Because it makes you seem fake. We well, all know Brian Kelly's fake because he's doing Louisiana accents when he's from freaking Boston. <laughs> yeah, well, I no doubt about that. That is just not a really good look for either one of those guys. And I, I, I personally, I think Lincoln and how he left was even worse. Yeah, but he's, he's saying slyly, I will not be the LSU coach. Lincoln, you know what you were doing. What do you think Lincoln would have said if he said, oh, will you be the USC coach? He would have been like, uh, 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 next comment? I, I think he would have just said, yes, I'm going to be the USC coach after this game. That would have been awful. That, that, yeah. Comfortable. Well, as well have just said it. I mean, the way they played. And also the issue, too, college football, they don't have a unified body, really. Like, the NC, it's not organized. It's just kind of like whatever, it's like how when the whole COVID thing happened, the SEC was just going to, Play the play whether the other conference played or not. There's no organization. It's like do whatever you want. That's the issue. It's it's like when Oklahoma and Texas go and Big Twelve says no, and the SEC's like yeah. There's no unified body in charge of all. Like you just do whatever the hell you want. That's all it is. It's like at the playground. No organization whatsoever. I think that's what gets college football in trouble. So I, I want to go to this. Uh, Notre Dame. They hire Marcus Freeman. He was their defensive coordinator. How do you like that hire? I like the hire. I mean, he was one of the guys that, that I thought was going to take the job, um, you know, um, and I wasn't too surprised to see that, that he ended up with it. I think that they might have been able to do a little bit better if they were uh, going to be able to get Luke Fickle out from Cincinnati. I mean, I think that was probably their, their top choice, but I think Fickle probably said, no, you know, my team's in the playoff, and uh, – I want to see that through. And back to that point, could you imagine if Luke Fickle did that? If he left his team before they were in the playoffs? Like, do you know how much of a bad look that would be? I think it'd be the same look as the other two guys yeah. we talked about. I, I just think it's so, just to go back, I just think it's so dangerous because then players are going to do that. <laughs> They're going to say, why do I have to play in a playoff game? Coach can just leave because it's best for him and his family. Billy Napier to Florida. How do you like that? Yeah, I thought that was kind of a weird hire for Florida. Uh, I was not such a fan of that. We we know um, he obviously had a really good season uh, this season with the with the Raging Cajuns, and it's going to be a big opportunity for him. Uh, but when you're Florida, I don't think you're looking to hire guys on the come up. You know you're. You're, you know, a, a, a football organization, I'd say it's pretty pretty close up there with the likes of teams like LSU and Oklahoma. Uh, so 
I was a little surprised that they were willing to hire somebody on the come up. Yeah, because typically when you see jobs like that open, it's usually they get the blessing of somebody. Like, right, like Urban Meyer says Ryan Day is going to be the next coach. Bob Stoops says Lincoln O'Reilly is going to be the next coach. Or even you have a Marcus Freeman situation where he's a guy that paid his dues at that program. And he kind of gets hired up, right? You just don't usually necessarily see an outsider, a complete outsider just coming in like, oh, you get the job, which I do agree. And here's the thing with Dan Mullen. Just because you get rid of Dan Mullen, it doesn't mean the grass is greener on the other side. So in terms of Oklahoma, uh, Brett Venables is going to be their next head coach. How do you like that? Oh, I, lo- I love that for these guys. I thought Venables deserved to be a head coach for a while. And he's an Oklahoma guy. I think it's going to be a good fit. Venables is very good on the defensive side of the ball. Reportedly, Mario Cristobal could potentially be going to Miami. Do you like that move for him if he does? No, I don't like it for him. You know, I mean, what is, what is there to like? I mean, I, I think it's a step down from the Oregon job, if I'm going to be honest with you. Now, maybe he just wants to get out of Eugene. I mean, I would understand him not wanting to show his face around too much after that loss because they really took a pounding, Daryl. That's pretty, pretty <laughs> humiliating. I mean, I felt kind of bad for them after that game on Friday night. Um, but I just don't understand why you, why you go to Miami. Yeah, I think people saying that, you know, the U. I, I think trying to bring Miami back is becoming one of the more overrated things. Yeah, but like Oregon, Daryl, Oregon's a really good job. I agree. Honestly, Ben, and I told you this. I, I mean, I know you don't like to hear this about the Nike thing, but I, I will just say this. I don't think there's that big of a difference between Miami and Oregon in prestige, health of the program, in terms of, like, in terms of recruiting, like, okay, right, you're talking about you're in Florida, but think about this. You're in Florida. You're competing with the Florida Gators, and you're competing with the Florida uh, Sentinels in your state. And also, there's other schools like UCF and USF that are going to be in there, too, in some of those recruiting battles. So, like, you have multiple schools. And Oregon. Oregon is the school in Oregon. Also, in the West, besides USC, they're probably the second program. They are the program in the West besides USC. So, they're getting all those guys. There's a reason why they get five stars like Penny Sewell, Justin Herbert, Marcus Mariota. The defensive end that they have right now that's going to be the number one overall pick in this upcoming NFL draft. There's a reason for that. So they get the talent. They're also in a weak conference. I mean, the ACC is weak as well, but if Clemson gets back, then that's whole, then that's way different. But I, I don't see... I think Oregon is a better job, Ben. It's a much yeah, better well, job. I'm thinking the same thing you're thinking when it comes to this, and I'm like, you have a lot of territory out there you can recruit. You're already seen as a top-level program. You know, of course, you've got Nike, the Nike jerseys, which I know is really important to some of those students. Um, you know, what is there not to like about Oregon? And there's a lot of talent out West. Like, I just don't... For, to me, it's... I, I would say it's basically like you're downgrading a little bit, Right? You're downgrading a little bit, and it's a harder job. It's a hard, like, how much more money can Miami be paying him? Like, he's taking a harder job. Even well, I don't if you. Think it, 
necessarily a harder job because I, I guess I'll, I'll say this about that. Like, if you lose four games a year at Miami, nobody's going to care. Well, if they think you're going to be the guy to bring the U back, I think they will care. <laughs> I mean, I guess if they think that, maybe they'll care. But I think, you know, you could go 8-4, and 9-3, something like that in, in a given year. And I think most people in Miami are going to be happy with that. And Oregon, you're saying that's not the case? Oh, no. I think, I think Oregon expects to win the Pac-12 title every year. And based off the talent that they have, they should uh, expect to win the Pac-12 every year. How surprised are you, by the way, Matt Campbell, that there was no movement with him leaving Iowa State? I was somewhat surprised by that. I thought thought he might get an opportunity. Um, I think, in part, he didn't get an opportunity because it's a little bit of a down year for Iowa State. You know, I mean, we were hyping them up. A little bit too much, I think, at the start of the season, and, and the hype kind of kind of died away as the as time went along. I still think he's a good coach, but maybe he was a little bit overrated at the beginning of the year, and I think some people might have backed off giving him a job. I would actually agree with you with that. So what we're going to do is we're going to take another break, and kind of next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to talk some. NFL MVP odds. Cut up next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. She got the brown eyes, caramel thighs, long hair, no wedding ring. Hey, I saw you looking from across the way, and now I really want to know your name. She got the white dress, but when she's wearing less, money, know that she drives me Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we still have Ben Karen with us, host of the Sports Wilder Podcast. So, Ben, I want to give you this. So, NFL MVP odds. You want to guess who number one is right now? Well, I'd probably say it's Aaron Rodgers. Actually, you're wrong. Is it Kyler Murray? No. By all means, Daryl, tell me. Thomas Edward Brady. Oh, well, that's, yeah, I guess that's reasonable. Would he be your favorite right now? Or you mentioned Aaron Rodgers and Kyler, so do do you think those two guys have a better case for Brady right now? That's a good question. Um... Yeah, I, I guess I'd go with Brady, Daryl. I think I would at the end of the day. But I think it's a conversation for sure, because I think those other two guys I just mentioned should be pretty high up in the, in the rankings. So, number two was interesting. Number two was Josh Allen, my guy. You think that's crazy? Um, A, a little bit to put him over, over Aaron Rodgers and Kyler. Yeah, I think so. So Josh Allen was two. Number three was Aaron. Number four was Kyler. I think what hurts Kyler Ben is uh, 
he's missed some games. And Arizona has been very good without him. So I think yeah. that hurts Kyler in terms of the valuable argument. And that's true to some extent, but I mean, he's a very dynamic quarterback, Darrell, and Arizona's clearly better when he's playing for them. Number five is Patrick Mahomes. Do you think Patrick uh, Mahomes has a shot at winning this thing? <laughs> no. You don't? I don't. I mean, he he's had a really bad first half of the season, Darrell. I think he's overrated even right now. Well, let me pose it to you this way, right? Let's say the Chiefs went out. Patrick Mahomes, the way he plays, the way the Chiefs call their offense, he's always going to have gaudy statistics. So if he does that and they continue to win, why wouldn't he be MVP? Well, I think at some point in time, you got to look at wins and losses, too. Well, I'm saying if they went out. And, and other statistics. I mean, and, and just, you know, look at what Aaron Rodgers came to Arizona and did, Daryl. Missing all kinds of players, all kinds of offensive weapons, and still beat the Cardinals. Now, you know I'm not an Aaron Rodgers guy, but that's pretty impressive. So you haven't seen a statement game from Patrick Mahomes like that this year? Correct. Now, what about the Raiders game when they blew out the Raiders? Not that impressive. Raiders have been a, been a mess this year. What about when they beat the Packers? Uh, nobody, nobody cares, man. Aaron Rodgers wasn't even playing. <laughs> Fair enough, then. So, but Patrick Holmes at number five. So you think this is just more bias in terms of, okay, we know what Patrick has done and we're just going to kind of keep Patrick up? Yeah, and I, I think maybe, maybe not quite like that, but I think there's like, okay, who has potential? Who do we know is really good? And who do we know is a quarterback? Oh, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes. You know, because if we were really talking best player, I mean, Derrick Henry would be in this conversation. Yeah, and I think he would be if he never got hurt. So, number six is Dak Prescott. How do you like Dak Prescott's chances? Um, I mean, I think that's reasonable. I don't think they're consistent enough as a football team for him to win it. Number seven was very interesting. Jonathan Taylor. No. If the, well, what about if the Colts were to win the rest of their games? Because Jonathan Taylor's on a tear right now. I mean, maybe if the Colts won the rest of their games, but they play in a pretty weak division, Daryl. I mean, oh, they beat the Texans tag 31-0, but it's not really that impressive. I mean, I, I somebody could argue that Aaron Donald has a greater impact on a game than, than Jonathan Taylor. Number eight is Lamar Jackson. How do you feel yeah, about that? Yeah, I can see that. Nine is Matthew Stafford. Um, probably not at this point in time, but I, I can see him being on the list. Yeah. What do you? By the way, what do you make of the back injury stuff with Stafford? Reports came out that he's banged up right now. I know you were never a fan of the whole Dell move to L.A. 
I think it's possible just too many personalities, too much going on for McVay. I think so. You know, I mean, I think that McVay's still a young coach, and we, and we have to take that into account. He's very, very good. He's an excellent coach, but he's still a young guy, and there's a lot of stuff going on. And I actually think it would be more beneficial to L.A. if they weren't always out there trying to grab the, the latest superstar that's on the open market. You know, and eventually... And I'm trying to figure out when this is going to happen because I've been feeling this way for a couple of years now. But when are they going to have to really start paying up for these guys? I mean, when's the bill going to going to come due? Well, they don't have a cap. I think that's why. I mean, if they don't have a cap, excuse me, I'm, I'm saying it wrong. Uh, they, they devote most of their cap to like five guys. So they have no roster depth. So, like, the only guys that are making money on the roster are, like, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and, like, Cooper Cup. Even Odell's not. Like, like besides that, there's not really guys that are making a lot of money on that roster. Well, I'm assuming they got to pay Whitworth money. They do, but it's not a huge amount. Like, like the rest, like, even if you look at, like, all their backups aren't making anything. They've just I devoted. I, I just, I, I agree with what Troy Aikman said, Daryl. I just don't think that they can do this and win this by being a super team. If, if Stafford's back hurts, you know that could be a thing. And he's been banged up throughout his career. I think, I guess it would make sense if that's the reason why he hasn't been playing as well. Uh, if that does coincide with the back injury, I think that's bigger problems. Like the Rams can find a way to get him healthy because if he's not healthy, you know that that's then at the end of the point day, them winning a championship becomes a moot point because Matthew Stafford's going to need to be healthy for them to get where they need to go. Uh, and I also think maybe it's difficult for Matt. Odell's a big personality. Calvin Johnson was not a big personality. So then next we have, at 11, we have Justin Herbert. How do you feel about that? Yeah, definitely inappropriate at this point in time. Joe Burrow is at 12. Yeah, probably the same thing, inappropriate at this time. You know, I don't think either of those guys have a legitimate chance right now. Derek Carr's at 13. Yeah, no. <laughs> but it's like, I just am not liking this. At 14, Mac Jones. No. <laughs> so so which one, so what was the worst? Which one disturbed you the most? Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Derek Carr, or Mac Jones? To me, I'm gonna say Mac Jones. I know people are starting to be real impressed with the Patriots and they're talking a big game about New England and this and that and the next thing and really, I mean Mac Jones, MVP. I, I'm not seeing it, Daryl. I mean, Mac Jones is has, has done a good job with the Patriots. I think a lot of people felt that he would. So it's not, you know, I don't think you or I are sitting here surprised by the fact that he's managed to be a pretty good game manager, and the Patriots have put him in a 
pretty good situation. Um, but I don't think he's at an MVP level. I mean, I you know, I don't see him doing things that other guys can't do. You don't. I think if you, if you take him out of New England and you bring in Kirk Cousins, I think it's going to look about the same. Maybe even Teddy Bridgewater. Well, speaking of those guys, let's go to our next guy. Cooper Cup's at 14. How do yeah, you feel? I think he ought to be further up the list, man. So what, would you put him ahead of Herbert? I, I Yeah, man. I'd put, him, I'd put him in the top 10 easily. Would you put him ahead of Lamar and Stafford? I would. Would you put him ahead of Jonathan Taylor? Yes. Would you put him ahead of Dak Prescott? Probably not. So, okay, so you'd have him pretty close to your top five. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I mean, he's played phenomenal this season. New quarterback, and look at look at what he's done, man, to, you know, support the team. So, the next best odds are Kirk Cousins. How do you feel about that? Ah. <laughs> Is that inappropriate, Ben? Yeah, yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Is that more inappropriate than uh, Mac Jones, Derek Carr, and Joe Burrow? Most definitely. <laughs> okay, so Ben doesn't understand that. Well, Ben, we got some crazier ones for the odds. Uh, Carson Wentz is next. And no way. Is, is that more inappropriate than Kirk Cousins? I think so. <laughs> so this just keeps getting worse. So, Ben, you want to guess the next name? Uh, sure, sure. I'll, I'll go ahead and guess it. Um, You'll probably think it's inappropriate, just to. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll think. Let me let me think it through here real quick. Um, uh, Ryan Tannehill. No. Uh, but very close. Ryan Tannehill's actually next up after this guy. <laughs> Jalen Hurts. And then Ryan Tannehill's after Jalen Hurts. So you disagree with that? Yeah, Ryan Tannehill hasn't done anything to prove to me that he should be in the MVP race. Okay. So then, Max, you'll probably agree with this. Devontae Adams? Yeah. That, that, that one's reasonable. Devontae's a game-breaker. Then after Devontae, we have Jimmy Garoppolo. No. <laughs> is that Ben, is that more inappropriate than Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts and Ryan Tannehill? No. It's not. It's not. It's not that bad, but yeah, I, I disagree with it. So what's the most inappropriate name you've heard so far? Well, I mean, I think for me it's gotta it's gotta be Kirk Cousins. It's not so it's not Carson Wentz. I don't think it's Carson Wentz. No, I mean they all Minnesota Vikings just lost to the Detroit Lions today. Well Ben this next name is probably going to beat Kirk Cousins. Does that scare you? It does. I'm, we're moving pretty far down this list, though. So this person probably doesn't have huge odds of being an MVP. Yeah. Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> so, Ben, is that more inappropriate than Kirk Cousins? It's It's not. I mean, look. Kirk is way overrated. 
Teddy Bridgewater, you know, he's like ways down this list, and I could kind of see it where people are like, well, nobody really expected anything from him, but you know, Broncos are like 500 right now or somewhere in that vicinity. How about next up we have James Conner? Yeah, ridiculous. It is, but it's still not more inappropriate than Kirk Cousins. I don't think so, no. Then after James Conner, we have Leonard Fournette. Yeah, that's inappropriate. <laughs> is that the most inappropriate? <laughs> is that the most inappropriate you've heard so far? I think so, yeah. I mean, he doesn't do anything for the Jaguars. Very little, you know. I mean, he's had a couple big plays this season. He's respectable, but yeah, when 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 you like look at the Buccaneers and, and all their offensive weapons, that he's pretty far down that list. So, Litter Fournette is worse than Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I mean, like I'd be putting Jamar Chase ahead of a lot of these guys. Oh, well, and Ben, that's actually the last thing we get to. Jamar Chase's last is the last name on here. So Leonard Fournette has better odds than Jamar Chase. Yeah, that's stupid. And James Conner has better odds than Jamar Chase. Kirk Cousins has better odds than Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase can make a case to be in the top ten. I think so too. Yeah, I mean he's he's had a great season so far. So Ben, you were disappointed, correct? Were you disappointed in these odds? So let me do this really quickly too. Let me give you Super Bowl odds, okay? All right. So number one, guess who's number one in terms of Super Bowl odds? Um, I am going to say it's going to be Kansas City. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay. Number two is Kansas City. Number three is the Green Bay Packers. Four is my Buffalo Bills, and five are the Cardinals. That's the top five. How do you feel about the top five? I think it's pretty reasonable. I think it sounds good. Do you think Arizona's being disrespected here? They have the best record in the NFL, and they are at number five. Uh, no, I don't, because they haven't done anything in the postseason in a couple of years. So after that, six is the Patriots. Yeah, that's ridiculous. So the Patriots should be lower. I think the Patriots should definitely be lower. Now next, so you think the Ravens are next, the Rams. So you think like the Cowboys, Rams, Ravens should all be ahead of the Patriots? Yes. How about the Titans? If Derrick Henry's healthy, I'd definitely have him ahead of the Patriots. The Chargers? If Derrick Henry's healthy, I'd have him quite a bit higher. Well, Derrick Henry should be healthy for the playoffs. Yeah, then I'd probably have them at then in like the fifth or sixth spot. What about the Chargers? Would you have the Chargers higher than New England? No. I think New England's a better team than them. So the Colts, we have the Colts at 12. How do you feel about that? I feel kind of lousy about that. I don't know. I don't think the Colts are very good. 
I'm not even sure they make the playoffs. So you're really not sold on the Colts? I'm not. I mean, what is there to be sold on here? 7-6. I mean, Jonathan Taylor? They're not, they're not very good, Daryl. I mean, let's see here. Yeah, they've been on a little winning streak. Um, you know, but they beat the Jets, the Jaguars. They managed to stun Buffalo. I don't think that would happen in a rematch. And and they lost to Tampa Bay, and they beat the Texans. So, yeah, they've won four of their last five, Gerald, but three of those games are, we're talking Jets, Jaguars, and Texans. There's nothing that they're showing me where I'm saying, wow. You know, I mean, these next four, these next three games they've got, they've got the Patriots, then they're at the Cardinals, then they're playing the Raiders. They could potentially lose those three games. So let me give you this. Let's see if this rattles your cage at all, Ben. So the Seattle Seahawks, the Dolphins have a higher chance to win the Super Bowl, according to the sports book, than the Seahawks. How do you feel about that? Well, I feel like it's irrelevant because we know neither of those teams is going to be anywhere close to the Super Bowl. In terms of worst odds, Houston's at number one. Does that sound reasonable? Uh, I think the Lions should be number one. Oh, really? Yeah, the, the Lions are terrible. Well, I mean, so are Houston, the Jets, and the Jaguars, though. There's like a big four. Right. I, don't, I, just, I think the Lions are the worst of the worst. Props to Dan Campbell, though, for getting the win. Well, I mean, you know, I think we, we all knew he was going to get one eventually. So, yes, props to him. Um, he's a great motivator. But right now, I mean, poor Dan Campbell, I mean, he just doesn't have any talent to work with. He's got Jared Goff, and that's about it. DeAndre Swift might be respectable, but Jared Goff doesn't have anybody to throw the ball to. So, Ben, I want to thank you for coming on the pod, man. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on, Daryl. Hope I did an all right job filling in for Kenny. You did a very good job. Maybe Kenny's going to be replaced. Who knows? No, we can't replace Kenny. No, definitely not. But thank you for coming on, Ben. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good one. And once again, I want to thank Ben for coming on the show. I uh, appreciate it. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode. The 362nd episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. Stop.